This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, the Leon Edwards Victory Tour continues, and on today's show, I'm going to talk more about Leon's historic head kick, and also, where does he go from here? Is Usman next? What about Chemaya? Or is Colby Covington back in the discussion? We're going to cover all of that on today's show, but I want to begin with this. 
so I was talking to Errol Hawani yesterday. I was a guest. I got to go on his show. I genuinely enjoy visiting with Errol Hawani. Side note, but when I was on there, he asked me my opinion for December 11th. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm live on his show. That date means nothing to me. He might have said December 10th. The point is he throws out a pay-per-view date in December that I know nothing about. I said, Errol, back up. What are you talking about? He says, well, the UFC is looking to make Stipe versus Jones, and they're going to put it on that date. I said, all right, well, what's the holdup? We've been told about this fight for a long time. What do you mean they're looking to do it? He goes, well, hold on, because what they're, they want to do Jones versus Angano on that date. If they can't get Francis, then that's where Stipe comes in. Now, I had never heard that. I had never heard that prior. Guys, I haven't heard it since. I read the junkies and the manias and the elbows and the comms and the BJ pens. I read all this stuff. I haven't seen this anywhere. Do you guys know what I'm even talking about? So let's, let's try to rework this as best we can. We know that Francis Ngano is hurt. Now, that was a while ago, but Francis hasn't done a great job of updating us. He hasn't done a great job of letting us know where he's at. Somebody ran into Francis and said he was about 300 pounds. That's very relevant. If Francis is is 300 pounds, and I'm sure it's an amazing looking 300 pounds, my point being though, right, it's calories in versus calories out. If you're training and you're active, Francis at 300 pounds, it just tells you maybe he isn't fully back. That's a rumor and that's a speculation at best, but that's what we have to go on. We don't get a lot of information about the champ. This was only two weeks ago. 300 pound Francis, two weeks ago which tells us an out-of-shape Francis, which would make perfect sense for a guy that can't get in the gym and do what he wants to do because he's nursing a knee injury. Nothing to see here, but that's very different than Francis coming back to what would be the biggest match of his life. And by the way, where are we at, guys? We're almost to September. You got all of September and October. November. You don't have all three months, three and a half months training camp for a guy that's completely healthy in John Jones who has just been waiting, basking in the glow and preparing for this opportunity. It's, it's a lot to bite off. Fine. That's what you do when you're heavyweight champion. Fine. I'm just setting the table for you. We also know that Francis's deal is up in December. There was a press conference. Kevin Ioli said to Francis, my understanding is your specific contract will elapse in December. Is that right? And Francis acknowledged it and said, yes. So December 10th, I'm just bringing it to you. I mean, we're getting down to D-Day there. We're getting down to Francis can outrun this thing. And apparently he's free. Apparently when that date comes, there, there's not a right standard in these agreements and you'd have a non-exclusive period and non-negotiation. You have a matching period. The way I only formed the question and the way my ears chose to interpret it, which could be a problem, is come someday in December... Whatever this Tyson Fury business and Francis and going off, it's free to do. So if we're to get Francis and we're get it to December, which would mean one that his knee gets to be good, right? We get to be mad about this contract stuff. We get to do that. We have to show grace when a human being is hurt. And then you're talking about putting him opposite John Jones. Now, do you guys want that? You're thinking, yes. You're thinking, Shale, of course we want that. But hold on. Because if you don't get that, let's say that we get parts of that. Number one, that Francis is healed. That would be the number one good news. Great. Number two would be that Francis gets a contract redone with the UFC. So 
Let's say we get those parts of it, but we don't get Francis versus Jones on that date. It would mean that we get Stipe versus Jones, which means you get Stipe versus Jones prior to you getting Francis versus Jones. So that's what I'm asking you. Because there's a big problem. Jones, Francis, massive. Jones coming off of a loss versus Francis. Different story. So would you take the risk? If Jones goes down to Stipe, your big dream match of Engano versus Jones might go up in smoke. And, you know, Michael Bisping weighed in on this. I got to give him credit. Two months ago, he came out and said, keep Stipe on the side. Wait as long as you have to preserve Jones versus Engano as Jones's first match at heavyweight. And it was silly when he said it, but I remembered it. And a couple of days went by, which turned into weeks, which has turned into months. And it looks more and more like... It's being called it correctly. But I'm asking you, because that three-way dance works. That three-way dance is going to play out. How they're going to do that round robin. Like, you could put Stipe in there with Francis right now. Great, true trilogy fight. Stipe put on 20 pounds of muscle. That story is going to be very compelling. We know Stipe can do it because he's already done it. Francis has been sidelined a little bit, which maybe brings him down. I mean, that story just works, for sure. Stipe would have the right to that opportunity, and no, nobody's disagreed with that. So the question isn't how you want to see these fights or even are you going likely to get to see these fights. I'm asking you the order. What order do you want? The way Ariel worded it for me yesterday was that they have the date and they are going to do a heavyweight championship, whether it's an interim or it's an undisputed is up for grabs. And we know the three players, but of those three, one of them sits out. That sounds great to me. I really like that. By the way, any way that you want to do it, I would love to know that Francis's knee is fine. Whatever he decides to go on and do, right? That, that's a completely separate conversation from anything that you have. That would say that it was. If Dana White, Hunter Campbell, they get this thing worked out, they get Francis under contract, now you start dreaming, now, now you, you start thinking pretty big. Look, there's a big match coming up, guys. A couple of weeks. Surreal gone versus Tui Vasa is a big, big match. Tui Vasa wins. If Tui Vasa can win, because skill-wise, right, and I always sound like I'm not complimenting Tui Vasa. I don't love when I when I say these words. He's not very good. Tui Vasa is not very good as far as skills compared to other guys, including Surreal. When you want to talk about the X's and O's, the ins and outs, the understanding, being polished, but he is a street fighter. Tui Vasa has got heart and guts, and his skills are increasing leaps and bounds. I mean, you go back five fights on Tui Vasa, and then go back four, three, two, and what you are going to see. This guy, right, it's just a matter of time. That time could have already come, and we don't know it. That's happening in the practice room. That's happened with his coaches and his teammates. That's happening in, in training camps that we're not exposed to. We know that it's coming. We know the potential. We see that quick rise. Maybe he's already there, but going out and getting a win over Surreal gone, sky's the limit for Tuivasa. You do whatever you want with him. I believe he's ranked number four in the world right now. He should be ranked number three, but I believe the ranking he's ranked number four. I'm sharing with you a win over the former champion who just went 25 minutes with the Predator. It's a, we're having a whole different conversation. And when you have a guy that it will go get in a dogfight, first round's about who's better. It's about who's better. And I'm saying Tui Vasa's not very good. That, that's real for five minutes. Then you're in the tough guy business. 
Dewey Boston's a tough guy. So it's one of these spots where heavyweight is changing very quickly. I noticed that Tom Aspinall is staying relatively quiet. I think that Tom thinks that he doesn't have a right to be barking while he's nursing an injury. I disagree with that. And everywhere I go in private and we talk about the heavyweight class, somebody always brings up Tom Aspinall because the potential is there and the future is there. I'd like to hear him be a little bit louder. And while Ariel shared this with me, guys, I'm going back a day, but I had never heard about it. I haven't heard about it since. I have not read headlines anywhere since about this December 10th or 11th date and that they're going to do a heavyweight prize. But Ariel's always right. Ariel never gets these things wrong. So something's going down and something is brewing there, but now you're talking about hurting people's feelings. If you're trying to book John versus Francis, but you're willing to make it steep, and now you're hurting somebody's feelings. Well, are you going to go to the dance with me? That's the guy that you asked said no. I mean, it's, it's one of these spots, and I'm all for the drama. I'm all for it. But I still want to ask you. I feel very confident in telling you that you're going to get those fights, that you've got a true round robin, that nobody else is breaking into that. Nobody's trying to break into that. Nobody's even on the potential of it, save... The example that Tui Vasa beats up Surreal. Well, all of a sudden, you do have another player in there. Curtis Blade somehow is left out of this. I don't get that. I think that Curtis should be speaking up. I think that if this is true and they've got those three guys and they're trying to get two guys, that Curtis Blade should be punching that door in. But they don't appear to be doing that. So I just want to come back to the original question started on a speculation that I got from Errol Hawani. In December... Interim or undisputed championship? Would you rather see Jones versus Stipe right out of the gate? Or would you rather see the Predator versus Jones? Transitioning over Leon Edwards and the welterweight division. Guys, let's revisit last Saturday night and some strong comments that Joe Rogan made about Leon's win over Usman. Joe Rogan came out with a statement. He said that Leon's head kick on Kamara Usman is the greatest head kick in the history of the sport and that nothing compares. What do you think? It's all opinion-based. Joe has shared his opinion. What do you guys think? It was certainly dramatic. And I will tell you, as a fan, we need those moments. And we have to have those moments. There are some fighters that are so doggone good. Oh, and by the way, Kamara's one of them. It's very hard to ever imagine they're going to get beat. That can be a curse. That was a curse for Roy Jones Jr., Roy Jones Jr. is the greatest boxer of the 90s. Not of 1999. I didn't say of 1994. I said 1997. He is the greatest boxer of the 90s. Oh, and by the way, you want to know who says that? Fellow boxers from the 90s. He had an entire decade. That is a massive amount of time, guys. If you become the best in the world at something, great job. That is a shocking achievement. If you become the best in the world at something and you remain the best... For a couple of months, for a year, for a couple of years. Oh my goodness. I mean, you're talking about a very shocking thing. You're talking about a very, very rare thing. You look at an Olympic champion that comes back and does it again. You look at Michael Phelps. You look at Carl Lewis. I know that there's more that you can name, but you're showing somebody that's held it 
that got to the best, got seen, got everybody coming after them, and they held it. It's rare. It can become a problem. Roy Jones Jr. was the best boxer of the 90s. That's true. He's not just known as that. That's accurate. He never, and I do mean never, had that massive fight. Some of you can tell me some opponents of Roy Jones Jr., but most of you have heard of him. Most of you are well aware that when I say Roy Jones Jr., I'm talking about a boxer. You know that. But if I was to ask you, what was a huge fight that he had? If I was to ask you what a huge rivalry he had? And if you're a real smart, a smart mark and you know you're boxing and you can answer both of those questions, I'll ask you, okay, where did he fight him at? And that's a big deal, right? But if you know fighting and you know big fights and you truly care, you could also tell me the venue. It's a lot like reading a book if you're ever in college. If you read a book and you got to talk about what, is it, what it's about, the teacher will then ask you another question, which is who is the author? And if you can't produce the author's name, everything that you said about the book, you're not going to get a good grade. And I'll, I'll make that same comparison, an author to a book, a venue to a fight. And most of your hands just went down. There aren't 20 people out there. I speak to millions of people. I don't have 20 that could tell me the massive fight, the opponent, what venue would happen for Roy, Roy Jones. It's not a knock on Roy. It just proves the fact that it could be a curse from a business standpoint, right? That wasn't uh, Roy's goal. Roy came up through the Olympics. He was just trying to prove he was best. Roy's perfectly happy with it. I'm sharing with you, there's not very many people that can fight on their own. They need an opponent. And there has to be a story. And there has to be half of the audience is going one way and half is going the other way. It has to be that way. You don't have massive fights when you have a four to one spread. You have a six to one spread. You have an eight to one spread. It's just very difficult to do. They say that there's only two fighters in history that can draw on their own. They say that's Mike Tyson. They say it's Floyd Mayweather. I believe that that needs to be amended. I apologize. They say it's Mike Tyson. They say that's Oscar De La Hoya. I believe that needs amended. I believe Mayweather is now in there. I believe McGregor is in there. Either way, fighting is the world's oldest sport. Before there were courts, before there were balls, before there were referees, before there were teams, there were guys fighting. This is the oldest sport in the world. I just named four guys. That's all I have is four guys. I feel that I'm proving the point that success can come back and bite you in the ass. It bit John. John Jones had to leave a belt behind and leave a division just to create the idea that maybe somebody could deal with him. So when I tell you that we have to have these, I know Kamara's having a hard day today, but time, time is going to work this out. Kamara's going to like what numbers do. He's going to like how many more people are paying attention to him. He is. And today they're dancing on his grave. You have all these naysayers that have four or five years to build up their anger. I understand those things. It's going to take a little bit of time. But we have to have this within the sport. We have to have these dramatic moments. Now, when Joe talks about nothing compares, I don't know what Joe means. If he wants to talk about a dramatic moment, boy, did we ever get one. Was that the head kick heard around the MMA world louder than any other head kick ever delivered in the MMA world? Oh. Sure. Joe, Joe's right. It was a main event where there was one way to win by Leon. I had people tell me they thought Leon was going to win. They were going to go bet him. I go over to DraftKings. They were even sending me screenshots and tell me, I said, go back and change that. If you're willing to bet on Leon, make the extra money and bet on him by knockout. That's the only way he's going to win. And people, they told me no. 
Tommy from the Bronx had it right. Other people told me no. They thought he was going to win a decision. They thought they could they could submit him. Look, if Leon's going to beat Kamaru, he's got to knock him out. Joe Rogan's talking about this head kick, and it was the greatest ever. Well, just for fun, let's go down memory, memory lane. The most technically correct, the most perfect head kick that we've ever seen within the UFC was Pete Williams over Mark Coleman. That's the one where if you can have a grand slam and you can turn your hip over and you can put the shin right on the person's forehead, that was the number one kick. Now, for dramatic factor, Gabe Gonzaga and Mirko Krokop. But that was for a dramatic factor. Mirko Krokop was Mr. Stand-Up. Gabe Gonzaga was Mr. Ground. Gabe's the one that threw the kick. One of the reasons it worked, it was the last thing Krokop was expecting. One of the reasons we were all with our jaws on the floor is the last thing that we were expecting. To add to it, not only did it end the contest, not only was it a knockout now for your grappler, it was an upset, but there was also the way that Krokop fell. It was scary. It was flat scary. He fell and his leg kind of got caught behind him. You guys have seen that. Whether you know the characters or not, whether you know Gabe Gonzaga, Merkel Krokop or not, you've seen that kick. It has been used for highlights for years. So when Joe Rogan says nothing compares, and it was the absolute best kick, not technically, Technically, it was not. The kick was very good, but in all fairness, it was different than Krokop, and it was different than the Pete Williams scenario. Very much so. Pete Williams set that up and threw a perfect kick. Mark did nothing. Mark was frozen. And the same thing with Krokop. Gabe brought that up, and he brought it up so quick. They were in punching range when Gabe Gonzaga throws a head kick. Mirko didn't move. That head kick that Leon threw does not work. Did not work. Does not get him a world championship and is not in the discussion right now had Kamara not ducked into it. I think that's one of the things that impressed Joe so much that Leon showed the left through the right Use the light, the right just as a blinder. It was a blinder. Anytime you're jabbing, anytime you can put something right in the guy's eye, very good. Put your hand out there and just hold it there. You blind him. You don't have to hurt him. Boom, that leg kick comes up. It was a, Kamara went into it. So now you have a head-on collision. Had Kamara just stood there and that kick landed, we're not having this talk. You had to have Kamara dipping and you had to have Leon coming up. Does that take away from it or does it add to it? Do you agree with Joe Rogan or do you like the other examples I gave? It's all about opinion. I'm just asking you yours. Level with me. We've all been in a situation at some point in our lives when we got a little tight on cash. Maybe you could only afford to put a few gallons of gas in your tank. Or you were just told you need a new set of tires and you're wondering how you're going to afford them. That's where Dave can help. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly by signing up for their extra cash account. That's more money to fill up your tank or to catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those unexpected expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and go to the App Store and download the Dave app right now. That's Dave. D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. 
for terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. The future you will thank you. Leon Edwards is in an interesting spot. It reminds me a lot of Charles Oliveira. Here, let me explain. Leon Edwards is the champion of the world, right? We all know that. Okay. I could bring to you off the top of my head top names in that division. In fact, I'll do it. Colby Covington. Colby Covington's going to fight Leon Edwards. Leon, as champion, would be the underdog. If I was to bring you Leon versus Usman, they're going to fight again. Usman would be the favorite. Leon would be the underdog. If I was to bring into you Chemayev, Chemayev versus Edwards. Edwards is going to be the underdog. What about Gilbert Burns? Where does he fit in there? Those guys ever match up? I don't remember it. Edwards versus Gilbert Burns. Edwards is going to be the underdog. Does that matter? Because, I mean, I'll just remind you, that's been the same story told about Charles Oliveira, and it's been told that way for a period of time. There's something that removes that pressure. There's something where there's still something to prove. And what do you do at 170, right? If you want a world title fight, guys that sit down, they want a title fight. And I could read these things, or I could take an ambient to go to sleep. I, I could go back and read about all of the guys that are going to clear out everybody in their division. That's how they're going to get their title fight. They're going to beat everybody. And nobody could say differently. And once in a blue moon, those guys get their shot. Generally, they don't because the big master plan that they had to identify the top five, beat all the guys in the top five, by the time they do it, which takes roughly three years, somebody new comes into the top five. So now they've either got to go beat that guy just for the own ideology that they laid out or that guy that just entered is more, interest, more interesting than everybody else and goes and takes the opportunity from them. There are examples in time where I could show you that we will pay and observe the rankings. There are for sure times when I can show you that the sport will go in this direction to prove an integrity to the sport, but that's only when the noise gets loud enough that it has to be done. So if you are ever trying to become world champion and you have a blanket statement to your audience about a championship once in a blue moon, two and three and no more than five times in history, that has worked. Otherwise, you got to say a name. So you got to hedge your bet around a name. Just by example, George Mosville started this a week ago. George Mosvall knew he wasn't going to get back in there with Kamar Usman. He was fully aware. And George Mosvall knows that he owes Leon a fight. So George, to get in front of this thing, on the outside chance that Leon would win, started to position himself and attach himself to Leon. He's very smart how he did it, because he came off as very sincere. He said, I'm going to fight Leon next. Oh, by the way, I, I know that Leon's going to lose to Kamar. Kamara's going to beat Leon. I'm going to fight Leon coming off of a loss. Well, now you have our attention. Now we know that you're being sincere. Now we know that you really do want to fight Leon. And that was the wise thing to say. Now, none of that was George's plan. None of that what George was thinking. And George is now a leading contender to go and fight Leon. I do not predict for you that, that, that Masvidal is going to get that opportunity. But I will predict for you, accurately so, that Masvidal, three days removed, is more attached in the headlines to Leon than anybody else. So what do you do? What do you do if you decide you're going to follow Chael's plan? Chael's right. It's much more powerful to attack a guy than it is an idea of a championship. It's much more powerful to get my base to attack this person 
then it is a broad stroke of a championship. What do you do? Well, you got to give a real good look as to what's next. To go and look at 70-pound bouts, just by example, we're hearing a rumor that Gilbert Burns is uh, going to fight George Masvidal. Do I start attacking Gilbert Burns? Do I think that that's the true number one contenders match and that's who I should align with? Should I start my business in with Gilbert Burns right now or do I go off of what is being told to us that the winner of Chemayev versus Diaz is going to be the guy? Chemayev is a massive favorite. So everybody's going after Chemayev. Do I want to go in and compete with all of that noise and maybe have the greatest message that wins the day? Maybe. Or do I want to go after Diaz and be the only one that's doing it? And these are the things that people have to think of at 170 pounds. As much as Kamara Usman is wanting to get in there with Leon right now, there is very good belief that he's not going to get that next. Let's just say for an example, just to prove my point, that we keep things as is, which is the winner of Chemayev versus Diaz fights for the belt, which happens to be held right now by Leon. If we preserve that, today, right here, we're going to assume that Kamara Usman can then take on the winner. But guys, that's going to be six months from now in a best case scenario. Half of a year. Do you know how long that is in MMA terms? People are going are not even going to remember that Kamara was winning the fight and he took a kick and that was his only loss. Oh, and by the way, it's been five years since he had a loss and he was dominant. He hasn't even lost rounds. Like all of these things that are 100% true aren't even going to be remembered. It's going to be a quick decision. They're not going to tear in this thing. There are not detectives like in a murder case that are breaking things down and talking to witnesses. It's going to be very quick. What is on the tip of my head? What is on the tip of my tongue? That's going to be whatever today's headlines are. And Kamara's going to have to play the same game. He's going to have to interject himself with somebody. Not to mention, Kamara is going to have a who's who list that he has to go through. And there's going to be a proposition. Do I want to go right into a world title fight? Do I want to go right back in to a main event? Or could I sneakily eliminate the Chemayevs, the Rachmanovs, some of these up-and-comers? Could I quickly slip in to a number one contenders match in a co-main event spot that is only 15 minutes? I mean, all of these things have to be considered. And if you talk about, I want a world title, I want a world title. If the guy that you are planning on taking on gets defeated... If there's an upset and he's no longer the champion, what do you do with your message then? It's tough. There isn't a perfect answer here. There's no way to know what's going to happen. There's no way to know that a head kick is going to be heard around the world and that the championship is headed across the pond to England. There's no way to know that ahead of time. There's a lot of risk. But there's still guys with strategy and guys without it. And the guys that have the strategy and invoke it and play that game get the opportunity. Sometimes it goes their way. Sometimes it goes to somebody else's. But it for sure will go to somebody else who played the same game, just happened to get the strategy right. It's very interesting to think of Leon that way. And it's a very good comparison against Charles. I mean, Charles is going into a fight just by example. He's on defenses. I get that Charles isn't the champion. I get that we're... But he's going into defenses multiple times. 
from being champion, not being beat. He's still the underdog. He's a three to one dog right now to Islam that at one point the line had moved to three and a half to one. Nothing wrong with that, so what? I'm just making the comparison that Charles Oliver versus the field has very similar odds as Leon Edwards versus the field. In a few minutes, I'm gonna give you my official prediction for tonight's one championship main event. But first, let's discuss a name that's somehow being forgotten at 170 pounds. Dana White talked about Colby Covington. He said that, hey, we're talking with Colby. Colby's ready to fight. We're looking to book him with something. Now, this is very relevant because how are you gonna get Colby to fight? I mean, getting Colby to the table isn't the world's easiest thing. And you could understand it from Colby's position, right? This is a massive draw who does a great job of going out and letting the world know. People call it selling a fight. I hate I hate that expression, even if it's correct. Even if that is actually the correct, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like the selling of a fight. I like the idea that you're telling people when you're fighting, where they can watch, why this fight matters to you. I don't like the word sell. Hold that thought, though, because that isn't my gripe. Colby has not been overly easy to get into the ring to start with. Why? Well, because he's the clearest number one contender that the, the sport has, and he can't fight for a championship. Puts him in a really tough spot. It does. Who could blame him for that? He's becoming a victim of his own success. It's a hard spot. So when Dana comes out, he says, we're talking with Colby. We're trying to get him to fight. Okay, great. Let's take a guess of who. Because we've got Jemayev and Diaz booked up. There's a rumor that I believe of Masvidal, Gilbert Burns. Now, I only believe that because Gilbert Burns said it. Masvidal is not out in the media talking about Gilbert Burns. He's talking about Leon, and for good reason. Not to mention Masvidal did everything right. Masvidal hedged his bet a week ago and put his chips on Leon, of which happened to win. I mean, there, there's something there. You're going to have to get in the way of that. Of course, the obvious... Number one contender is Kamar Usman. Does it work that way? What do I mean by the, the most obvious number one contender? We didn't have this information. It's relevant that you know. Here's a story, and I'm going to get you 90% of the way there. I never knew the whole story, and this is about 15 years ago. But it hurt Pat Militich's relationship with the UFC. And Pat said, I was told something I counted on something, I relied on it, it didn't come true. It had to do with the ultimate fighter. And I believe it was quite simply that Pat was going to coach the ultimate fighter. Everything's cool in the gang, everything's moving in that direction. UFC gets a phone call, it's BJ Penn. Out of nowhere, BJ wants to fight, and I believe it was Frank Yeager. Oh, and by the way, he's willing to do the ultimate fighter to get it. They had to go with that. When the UFC made these representations to Pat Militich, they were operating under the information they had. They did not have this new information. They had to go in that direction. And the UFC talked about that. They said, yes, we told Pat, we don't like to ever say something, but Pat's right. Pat has reason to be upset. We would like to make it up to him going down the road. Now, I'm only staring this, this decade and a half old story with you because there's another tale along the way. It has to do with Alexander Gustafson. Gustafson takes a fight. It was a replacement fight. It was a dangerous fight. He takes on somebody called Rumble Johnson. In the very first round, lands a cross, lands an uppercut, 
and puts Gustafson down. Fights over, Rumble wins. Gustafson's next match, next match was a world title fight. Was it against Cormier? I was going to say it was against John Jones, but was it against Cormier? Either way, how do you go from getting knocked out in the very first round to a main event in for a world title fight? Very easy answer. Gus knew it was dangerous. It was a replacement fight. Lorenzo told him, you're the number one contender, and if you do this match, you are going to remain the number one contender. Okay. But it's relevant. It's relevant because when you're behind the scenes, there's a lot of deal-making that goes on. We all understand that, don't we? Of course. We have no problem with that. But now our job, and what we like to do, is come out and guess what's going to happen. A more advanced way of us saying we're going to guess what happened is we're trying to guess what's happened already and been agreed to behind the scenes that we simply aren't privy to. Now, I bring that to you because I do agree with you. Kamara Usman, this is very obvious. Kamara versus Leon. Not to mention it's a trilogy, which a lot of people aren't talking about. Most people don't know that Kamara and Leon fought the first time. That's okay. We have a lot of new fans. We have a lot of new exposure. That wasn't a massively hyped fight. I'm just sharing with you. We now have a true trilogy, and we, we really get to build for that. Something special there. And it is the right thing for Kamar Usman. History says Kamar Usman gets to do this rematch, but we haven't talked to doctors yet. We haven't talked to commissions. We don't know some of these finer intricacies. And even if we do, and everybody says it's clear to go, we have Chumaya versus Diaz coming up, and we've been revealed, the audience, we have been revealed that this is a number one contenders match. If that was told to us, the audience, and Chumayev and Diaz found out the way we did, which is they read about it, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as if those two were told specifically, do this and here's what you get. And we don't know that. Diaz wanted to fight. He made that very clear. Jemayev wants to take on anybody and will. He made that very clear. I don't think that a promoter would need to say those words. I don't think that a promoter, if I'm to guess, needs to tell Chemayev, come out to Vegas and do this, or needs to tell Diaz, whose contract is about to be exhausted anyhow. So I don't think that conversation happened. If that conversation didn't happen and only we, the world, were told, of course things change. Sure they do. But now let's keep that thought and keep that theme, and let's go and apply it to Colby Covington, who's difficult to get into the ring as it is. The number one, a guy that was the champion of the world, the interim champion of the world, who never lost, and one day he wakes up and he, his belt's been taken away. I mean, before you want to go and judge Colby, it is a very hard walk that Colby's been on. So Colby's willing to come back. Huge draw. Okay, he's the interim champion. Make sure you understand this. He's the number one contender that doesn't get a fight for the belt. He's the interim champion of the world that never lost and is no longer the champion. He beat the BMF champion and was never become the BMF champion. I mean, try to understand this from Colby's standpoint. How are you going to get him in the ring? You're probably going to tell him and make a deal that if you fight and you win, you become the number one contender. I mean, that's just a great bargaining tool that a promoter has. But the promoter can only put it out there once at a time. I don't believe the promoter has put it out. I don't believe that the promoter has told Chemayev or Diaz, win and you fight for Bell. I don't think that happened. So the promoter still has that card to play. 
if he would like to play it for Colby, who are you going to put him with? This is where it becomes a problem. We're told that Wonder Boy is going to fight Rachmanov. That came from Errol Hawani, who's never wrong. We're told that Burns is going to fight Masvidal. We're told that by Burns, but that hasn't been confirmed by Masvidal. So possibly one of those two guys is still available. Blahal is out there somewhere and can't be ignored for much longer. Who are you going to put Colby with? That's all I'm asking. Who do you guys want to see him with? It looks as though the pickings are becoming a little bit slimmer. And once you do find it, you're going to find a very tough guy in a very hard match. What's in it for Colby? It's a fair question. Everybody's asking it. Every single fighter is asking it, but not every single fighter has been proven to have the level of success of Colby Covington. A number one contender who is the interim champion who beat the BMF. All of those things are gone. It's a tough spot. It's a really unique spot. Oh, and by the way, if you think that you solved the problem and you've got the, the perfect guy and you've got the perfect matchup, it comes back to what do you do with Kamara Usman? Tell me Kamara doesn't get to go fight for the belt. Come on. The greatest welterweight ever? In the conversation, right, for the greatest ever and the only one to hold a candle in the conversation to George St. Pierre himself, the number one ranked fighter in the world, Kamara Usman, of course, come on, of course, Kamara qualifies. Of course, if the commissions and the dates work out, of course, if Leon is agreeing, of course. But what do you do with the rest of it? How long do you wait? How are you going to get Colby to agree to go into a massive fight, probably your main event? 25-minute contest with nothing on it. It's hard. There's an answer. That's somebody else's problem. We're just asking the question. We're not here to answer it, but try to ponder that. Matchmaking is not as easy as it appears. My official prediction, Demetrius Johnson versus Marias goes down this Friday. Hear me out. Hear me out on this because Demetrius has a big problem. He does. And I know that in your minds, and there's nothing truer in life that really gets magnified right through the lens in this sport of perception being reality. Demetrius is your guy. Demetrius is the name. He's the one that you're familiar with. The history be damned. The fact that they've met up before, throw it all out. It's Mighty Mouse. Hold on. So, particularly if you got your information from me, because I got one thing that's that's wrong. So Demetrius is signed for 125 pounds, which is known as flyweight. All of that is accurate. One championship is the only organization to do this, and they did this years ago. I forgot. Simple as that. There's there's my disclaimer and my disclosure. They have a hydration test. They don't want guys going in and sucking out all this weight. They found that it was unhealthy, as many organizations did. They stepped forward and did something about it. And I don't have the intricacies of it, but they have a hydration test. So 125 is now 135. Demetrius fights at 135. That's a big deal. A lot of our breakdown and our analysis had to do with that weight class and the struggles that Marias is going to have to make it. Guys, I shared with you, name drop, but I, I ended up in California. I miss my flight. I find out one's in town. I go to the gym. I'm with all of these guys, including Marias. I came aware there with one opinion, which is, darn it, that's a big 25-pounder. And I shared that with you. Man, this guy's a big 25-pounder. I don't know how he's going to make it. Okay, turns out, 
135 pounds, 10 pounds, so what? Well, when you're that weight, you're talking about six and a half, seven percent off the top of my head. You're talking about six to seven percent of your body weight in total. Very big deal. 10 pounds down there. How does Marias make it? Can Marias make it? Is the championship going to be preserved? Is this an Oliveira situation? We're all just waiting for this to go down. And I'll tell you one thing about hydration tests. The sport has stepped in to try to do away with weight cutting. And this dialogue has been out there. And we've got executive directors and we've got doctors. We've had some really good thought on this. The NCAA already did it. You, you can take all the guesses that you want, but the NCAA in 1998 did it. And you want to know what they did? First off, they did a hydration test, exactly what one championship is doing. They would weigh a person, they would do a composition, check your body fat, see, see what you could lose in a healthy manner. But when you did that, you must be hydrated so they know what you weighed. Now, it's very effective. Right, if a guy go cuts a bunch of weight and then he comes in and now he qualifies for this different weight, you got to make sure that the guy's hydrated and he hasn't pulled any weight out. So when one championship stepped forward and started doing this, even if I don't have the intricacies, I feel as though I have a pretty good idea because it was done in the NCAA, of which I lived through. Okay, so you have Demetrius at 135 pounds. Now, Demetrius's record, world championship, number one fighter in the world, 12 in a row, all of these things had to do with 125. However, he was taking on guys that were cutting weight. So when you get in the ring, you're basically talking about the same guys. You're talking about the same size. Now, if I get a call that comes in, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to grab it in front of you guys. But it's Henry Cejudo. And Henry Cejudo is not just a former rival or opponent of Demetrius. He's now helping. Henry Cejudo's a coach now. Henry says that he's coming back. He, he might be. He might be in the gym getting his own training, but he for sure is in there and he's preparing other people. I want to hear from Henry's standpoint how Demetrius plans to get inside. That's it. That's all I want to know. How do you plan to get inside? Because if I'm talking to you guys and I've got to give a prediction here and I've got to tell you who's going to win. I don't want to fall in the same trap that I think most of us do. And I'm not trying to condescend to you. I'm guilty of it too, which is what guy are we more familiar with? Whoever is more popular is going to be the winner. This might be Henry. Uh, I don't want to do that. And it, it's a little bit of a trick because Demetrius is going to have to get inside. I mean, he has to. If he wants to take him down, if that's the big plan is to go to the ground, which the last time Demetrius went to the ground with Morais, he got choked out. So maybe you're thinking, oh, he doesn't want to go to the ground. The other side of it is Demetrius's speed. He's lightning fast. Lightning. It's like a joke. You guys ever watch Bruce Lee films? And he's so incredibly quick. But then we find out over time that the editing room had a way to speed up the tape. I'm telling Demetrius is like that. When I used to break him down and I had to cover him for Fox or for ESPN, guys, show me that again and show it in slow motion. That kind of quick. Now, Demetrius had one great experience, which was his very last one. He ends up there with Rotang in a mixed rules bout. The mixed rules bout, as he's in there, I'm talking about Demetrius with one of the great strikers on earth, is that they're going to strike for a round, and then they're going to do MMA for a round, and they're going to strike for a round, they're, they're going to go back and forth. Demetrius ended up getting his hands on him, got him to the ground, finished his contest. But he still had to prepare. He still had to prepare, and he still had to be ready. And Demetrius did land his shots. He moved and he was quick, but he did touch Rotang. It was not the strategy that many people thought. 
that he was going to dance and he was going to move away and he was going to chew up some clock until it gets to what favors him, which is going to be round two, which was MMA. That preparation matters. You know, I can't remember when Conor McGregor come off of something similar. But he's training for Floyd Mayweather, then he's going to go back into MMA. Now, we gave Conor a lot of grace as he went into this MMA fight that he's going to do real well in the stand-up, that he's really polished this, that he wasn't well-rounded for the last 10 months. He wasn't trying everything for the last 10 months. He was fully focused twice a day, every day, take a rest on Sunday, boxing. And those preparations do matter. They do tell us a lot. And I do gather that Demetrius is going to be able to get inside. I think that 135 is very relevant. Just put my eyes on a guy, right? Judge a book by the cover. But guys, there's a reason we face him off. The lines have moved when people have done face-offs. Daniel Cormier was a two and a half uh, to one underdog against Stipe going to the very first fight. They faced him off. It ended up being even money by the next day. Daniel was moving up. He's moved up to heavyweight. He just isn't big enough. We faced him off. He's big enough. We didn't know that. We miscalculated. I'm sharing for you. It's a very relevant thing. Because when I look at Marias, what are you going to do with this guy? He was so long. Oh, he was so long. He hit you from the other side of the room. But I also have to give Demetrius credit to the short term. I could go back to the first time that these guys fought. That's a very good piece of evidence for breaking this down. But if I was to just go to the short term, we love to say in this sport, you're only as good as your last fight. Well, then let me use that adage and let me take a look at Demetrius's last fight. He knows how to get inside. He knows how to touch the body. Does he plan to do that and stay on his feet? Does he plan to drag him down to the ground? I'm talking about Demetrius got submitted last time, went to the ground with this guy, but that's not the full story. The guy had the dominant position. He got on Demetrius's back. It's very different than Demetrius is up if he's sitting up, if he's partial, right? It's just a very different contest. But I don't think that I can come to you guys and be fair and objective by handing you the name that you like the most, that you're most familiar with. I don't think that it would be accurate to say, well, you know, Demetrius had gone through a Grand Prix, and then he was jumping in. There was a championship fight. It was pretty quick, and he wasn't familiar with the organization. Like, I do think that those things are all relevant. I do think that they're a piece of it. I just think that if we go with that narrative, we're dismissing an incredible accomplishment by Marias, of which he might stamp again Friday night. It's interesting. How bad is Marias going to be hurting from that weight cut? When he was going to 125 pounds, which I now find out is actually 135, it's a very different conversation. Demetrius needs to get a hold of this guy. Demetrius can't be afraid to go to the ground. He's got to put that fight that he did, he's got to put that behind him and make sure it's in the past. I trust he's going to do that. I'm taking a little bit of a leap of faith. My official prediction, Mighty Mouse. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want more of me, head on over to my YouTube channel. And don't forget that tonight at 8 p.m., we've got one championship on Amazon Prime. I'm going to be back on Wednesday to react to it all. And until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.